want to say a word of thanks to Ben for faithfully sharing the word last week. I got to watch on face, Facebook Live as, as he shared that as we were out uh, for the wedding of our firstborn. Joseph got married to Abby last Saturday. I thank you all uh, for letting me go to be a part of that and also for your prayers and encouragement in that. I will confess to you, uh, I didn't know until we had swapped some stories over this past wedding weekend that that marriage almost did not happen. Uh, about a year, year and a half into their relationship, as Joe was just about to ask Abby uh, to be his wife, Joseph's younger brother, my son Seth, and another brother thought they'd have fun, and they applied for Joseph to be the next bachelor. So... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how far that process got, but I'm glad the joke finally got found out and that Joe and Abby are happily, uh, happily married. Um, this morning, we're going to start a new series. We're going to be looking actually at passages that have been in our readpraylovedaily.com readings. So we're going back to last Sunday and Monday from Romans, 1, Romans 5 and Romans 6, but also picking up some this morning from the reading in Romans 7. If you haven't picked up on those daily Bible readings, I hope you'll do that. I get them emailed to me. It's right there on my phone when we get up in the morning. Uh, but we're going to be starting a series. It's not, not our older series. We're launching a new series called The Road to Recovery. Uh, we're going to be starting, as Ben prayed this morning, we're going to be starting a Celebrate Recovery in just eight days. We're going to do that on August 19th with, with what we're calling a soft launch, just so we can kind of get get our feet, kind of get, kind of get going. We've, we're partnering with Crossroads uh, Ministry up in Canton and about 11 of their aftercare uh, uh, program people, some of those women will be coming to be with us uh, for about four to five weeks. But then we'll do a community-wide launch of this recovery ministry in mid or late, April, uh, mid or late September. And we're going to need your help with that. We're going to need you to be praying for that. We're going to be need, needing you to invite to that. Some of you, whether yourself, small group, Bible study, or Sunday school class, are going to help sponsor us by either providing meals or paying for meals for that. You can see Donus Upshaw, and she'll be glad uh, to, take, to take those uh, dates from you, and you let her know how you'd want to serve. But we've been, we've been praying about this ministry for about two years now. Uh, Roger Wasson is going to be our ministry coach, our ministry leader for this, so you can connect with him about questions you might have about being a greeter for this ministry, being a person who helps set up or take down, so talk with him. But I remember he and I meeting for lunch several months ago as we were dreaming about this, and I had bought the leadership kit for Celebrate Recovery, and I brought it in. We were having lunch. I kind of felt awkward bringing this book in, but I thought maybe we'll need it as a resource. And we sat down. I put that book on the, the table there, and I thought, this is awkward. I need to just put it under. We'll use it later. And before I could do it, our waitress came up to get our drink order. So we've been there 15, 20 seconds. And she saw the manual. And she said, are you guys a part of CR? And we said, well, we're going we're gonna to be starting one at Madison Methodist in, in hopefully about six months. She goes, oh, good. I used to be in CR, and they don't have one in this area anymore. I need a CR. When and where will it be? Now think about that. For the Lord to orchestrate, I was trying to get that book off that table and under as quick as I could, but in that 15-second gap, she came up and said that to us. Secondly, though, right in front of us and everybody around her, because you know how you are at a restaurant, somebody talks loud, I know, you listen in, shame on you, but you do it. She said right in front of everybody else, 
I need CR. I need to recover. And I'm struggling right now. To be able to say that in front of others, not just where Roger and I could hear it, but where others could hear it, and that's a huge part of any recovery ministry, is this first word. I haven't given you notes this morning, but there's going to be two words I want to share with you. And the first word is to, uh, to realize, to realize. And we're going to be looking at Romans 5, 6. But that's what that woman confessed in front of us. She realized her powerlessness to overcome the things she was struggling with. And she was lacking the freedom that God deeply desired for her to have in her life, for you and I to have in our lives. It's just on every page of Scripture, Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In John 8.36, if the Son has set you free, you shall be free indeed. It's for freedom that you were saved. But most of us, if we admit it, struggle in some way. Struggle, even though in Christ, freedom is offered to us. I had a, a friend who was thinking about, she's planning a church, a Methodist church on the coast. And so she was thinking about doing CR as a part of that ministry. Again, when you think about recovery ministry, a lot of times you think about chem chemical dependency, maybe sexual purity issues. But it's all things, and she found that out because she tried to get together a step study. And y'all, we've had about 12, 15 people, men and women, who've been meeting for six months now, every Monday night, for an hour, hour and a half, every Monday night, going through a step study. So you have to go through a step study all the way through the, the 12 steps before you can, uh, at least the first four steps, but they've gone through all 12 now, before you can launch a Celebrate Recovery. And so she thought, hey, we need to let recovery be a part of our church plan. And so she got these group of committed Christians together and said, all right, let's do the step study. In the second week, she called it off. They're only in the second week of this step study, and she called it off. You know why? Every one of you is codependent. You don't need to be leading nothing. You need to be in CR. And so she canceled it because those folks first needed to recover. CR is not just about chemical issues or sexual purity issues, it's about codependency. It's about control issues. It's about food issues. It's about whatever hurt, hang-up, or habit that you have that's keeping you from the freedom that Christ died for and the Holy Spirit wants to gift to us. God wants you free. But the first step in that, but really the first step for all of us in anything with God is going to Romans 5, 6. So let's back up a step. If you have your Bibles or pew Bibles, and we're going to look at Romans 5, 6 because there's a good word here uh, for us about our powerlessness, but also that we all wrestle. I like what Rick Warren says. Rick Warren has written the book, uh, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. Many of you are familiar with him. You may not be familiar that Celebrate Recovery came out of his church. So somebody who was struggling with an addiction came to him and said, those 12 steps, really, if we couple those with the Bible and we're clear about Christ and create a worship element, that can really free people. And so CR came out of that church. But I love Rick Warren, who admits his own powerlessness. When he introduces himself at all these conferences, he doesn't say, hi, I'm Rick Warren, I'm America's pastor. Hey, I'm Rick Warren. You've probably seen me on CNN and Fox News. Hey, I'm Rick Warren. I've, I've, I've written a book that has sold a bazillion, jillion copies. He says, hi, I'm Rick Warren, and I struggle with a lot of stuff. He struggles. 
America's pastor, and he struggles. And we look at Romans 5, 6, we're reminded first of our own salvation, our own justification, when it says that God, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. It's a core tenet of our gospel is grace, that I can't do enough to drum it up, I can't do enough to earn it, but God who loves like this, God seeing my need and my own powerlessness, sent his only begotten son for us, that it's by his grace and his gift of his cross and resurrection that I might have life. I'm powerless without his initiating and saving grace at my salvation, but as it goes for my sanctification, I also have to have God initiate that and empower that so I can be faithful. Do I have responsibility? Sure. Just like in my own justification, I've got to accept and receive and cooperate with God's grace that was initiated. Same with my sanctification. I'm powerless, I cooperate, but it's only in Him and through Him that I can have power to be free. In my stuff, in my sin, in my hurts, hang-ups, and habits, Paul acknowledges that. If you want to flip over over to Romans 7, Paul, who's been saved, Paul, who's full of the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans 7, 21 through 24, I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? It's Christ, his initiating grace that saves us. I'd love to pray and talk with you about that. If you've tried again to to do good work so he'll accept you, there's, there's no hope in that. But whether you and I confess our need, our powerlessness to save ourselves and yield our lives to him and for his forgiveness, oh, he'll bring life eternal to you. But it's that same way with our sanctification as well. Now listen, we talk about this. It can be hard for our culture to talk about it because we don't like to talk about sins. And we don't like to be upfront about hurts, hang-ups, or habits. It's also hard to talk about because some of us will struggle with, and we'll talk about this in a minute, we struggle with, can God really do this deepening work in my life? Can God really bring that kind of healing and sanctifying work to my life? One of my really good friends in ministry is reformed in his faith, and I'm, I'm Wesleyan in my faith, okay? And I'm just thinking back, we went to go see a Christian concert together, we encourage each other in the Lord, but from the minute we got in his car in Tupelo and drove all the way to Starkville to the concert, and, and then on the way back from the concert, as soon as we got in the car, all the way back to Tupelo to his house, we talked about whether or not believers can be fully sanctified. Not football or dirt track racing. This is what nerdy preachers do. We argue the doctrine of eternal sanctification. But we were arguing about, can God really bring that kind of freedom to our life? I'm powerless without His His sanctifying grace and without His presence, but couldn't God do that work that He promises to do? Rick Warren goes on to say this. Sometimes we don't believe that He'll do that, And so what we'll end up doing, instead of experiencing his freedom, here's what Rick Warren says, we'll avoid it, we'll deny it, we'll try to escape it, we'll try to reduce it, we'll try to postpone it, and instead we'll find ourselves drinking or getting in and out of relationships to fill that void 
or doing whatever we can to control other peoples, to cover up that hole in our lives. The first step in recovery, more importantly, the first step in our recovery to being remade in the image of God, what Paul says to Romans is we've got to realize we don't get well on our own. We just don't get well on our own. We've got to confess our powerlessness before the Lord and allow Him and also others to be a part of that. Listen, I understand about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, right? That's what I was taught, you were taught. Football season's in a few days. We're all getting geared up. Many of us are getting geared up for that. So I'll tell another silly football story on myself. I wish I had good ones to share. Uh, But it was my senior year of football. It was the very last game I ever played in. I didn't know it was going to be my last game. I had signed to play college ball, decided later not to do that. But this ended up being my last game, such an important game, the last of your high school career. And a first quarter, second quarter, I can't remember when, but I remember seeing it on game film. As I blocked out the defensive end and pushed him, I leaned forward. He went back, and my best friend, our running back, ran by and put his knee into my helmet, spun my head around. And I I experienced a severe concussion at that moment. But um, my dad's a football coach, his brother's a football coach, and my grandfather's a state double state champion football coach. There's no way I'm coming out of this game. Even though I'm so groggy, I don't know where I am. And actually, not only was, was I so groggy, I started, like, going to sleep, but I stayed in the whole game. And so, like, I would wake up, and I'd be, like, walking to the offensive line. And I'd turn to my offensive tackle, and I'd say, dude, what's the play? And he'd tell me the play. I'm like, okay, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. And I wouldn't remember anything for three or four plays. And then one time I kind of woke up and imagine this. I woke up, I was on full sprint on kickoff, running full speed and people running full speed at me. and And the only thing I'm saying is don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. And I went back to sleep. And then when I finally remembered, because I'm not coming off that field, I remember hearing people pray. I'm thinking, ooh, who were you praying over? Did somebody get hurt? And I looked up, and it was the Lord's Prayer. And we were praying at the end of the game. And I leaned over to my buddy, and I said, hey, did we win? He said, no, we lost. Oh. And then I said, please stay awake, stay awake. But that night in the ER, no, wait a minute, the next day in the ER, wait, strike that. Sunday, finally after church, I went to the ER. I can't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, but finally... I went to the ER with that severe concussion. I gutted it out. I pulled myself up by the bootstraps. And Paul says in Romans and throughout all his letters, what are you doing? It's not just you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. And it's other believers who will walk with you. It's what Mark's talking about. Man, I don't want to go to a a men's group and have to be real with other folks. Uh, Yes, we do. It's how we recover. It's how we get better if not we just try to gut it out on ourselves how long has it been you've been struggling with spending and nobody knows it but you and your spouse how long how long has it been you've been on the internet looking at things you shouldn't look at how long has it been that you've been controlling people how long has it been since this and you know you want to get there you've prayed prayers faithfully that you've really repented of that, but you find yourself going back. Paul says to the church, you're powerless in your justification, but listen, you need God in your sanctification. He wants you to be free. And it takes the Spirit of God, and it takes the encouragement and blessing of others 
to, to get us to where God wants us to be, and that is free. You've heard this story before, but I, I, I've heard Rick Warren tell it, and I think it's an important story. Listen, most of us on Sunday afternoons, if you have kids, there are going to be those times, especially, especially later in life, where you're just trying to carve out a nap, okay? You love your kids or your grandkids, but, but you, you need that hour on the couch. And this dad one day was desperately trying to get a break and to have some couch time. And so he held up the newspaper, and when he was reading it, he saw there was this huge globe right, of the whole, I guess, Western Hemisphere, this huge circle. And so he said, you know what? Here's my plan. I'll cut out this globe, and I'll give it to my son, and I'll tell him to put it together as a puzzle. That's going to buy me at least an hour or two. Because he may be able to get the edge of the circle, but I'm going to do it small enough. He doesn't know all these other countries. It'll take him forever. So he called his son over and says, I'm going to cut up this page of the paper. You put it back together. The boy who loved the challenge, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Dad cuts it up, puts it on the floor, go to it. He hits the couch. Ten minutes later, his child's waking him up. Dad, I'm done. There's no way that you're done. Yeah, Dad, I've already figured it out. Listen, I know you and your, your geography. You don't know. You couldn't have put that world back together. He says, I didn't put the world back together. So what would you do? I noticed when you held the paper up, on the back of the paper was a large picture of a man. And I know what a man looks like. So I just flipped all your pieces over, and I put together the man. Now, here's what Rick Warren says about that. It's amazing how much better the world looks when your own person is put together in the right way. How we handle and overcome our hurts in life, our habits, and our hang-ups that are causing us pain, it always starts here first. And the good news is God wants to be in the midst of that. This is the second word. Realize our powerlessness, but the second word is exists. Now part of Celebrate Recovery is to share with people, yes, that the Lord exists. You say, well, preacher, I know that. If I'm here, even though sometimes we go through struggles or doubts, uh, I'm here because I know the Lord exists, but who is this Lord who exists? That's one of the things Paul beautifully highlights for us here. You read five through seven. It's not just that God is, but that we serve a God who understands the hopelessness of our situation in Romans 5. You go through Romans 7, he knows the stuff we struggle with. You see Paul naming that. Paul! Paul! And he's saying, I'm doing everything I don't want to do, and I can't do the things that I want to do. He was struggling and wrestling. And we have a high priest, as Scripture tells us. Not only in John 1 does it say in verse 14, I love the modern paraphrase, Jesus moved into our neighborhood. He knows where we live and how we live. But later Hebrews would say he's a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He knows temptation. He knows what it is to be heartbroken. He knows what it is to be frustrated. He knows what it is to be betrayed. We serve a high priest that knows our stuff. And so Paul's saying that in chapter 5 of Romans, he knows we're hopeless. Chapter 7, he knows we struggle even after salvation. But in Romans 6, it's not just about our past and our future. When I, when I think of Romans 6, I'll be honest, I think of Romans 6.23, right? That, that core verse we hold on to when we're trying to share the gospel with our friends or family. Uh, that core truth that we're holding on to for our own selves. The wages of sin is... But the free gift of God is 
Eternal life through Jesus Christ. Yes, my wages for what I've done in the past is death. Yes, because of Jesus Christ, I now have a future and life in Him. But read the tenses in chapter 6. They're not just about what's happened in the past. They're not just what's happened in the future. Verse 7, verse 11, verse 13, verse 14. You read these verses, verse 7. You are free, not will be free. You are alive, verse 11, not will be made alive. You're alive to God right now. Verse 14, you don't have to have anything master or Lord over you now. You can be free now by the sanctifying grace of the resurrected Lord and the filling and power of His Holy Spirit. Not only does God know our struggles, not only has God saved us from our past, but here's this reminder too. The God who exists cares, loves, but also comes to us to do something about that. Not just to save us, but to sanctify us. Or as Paul says in Philippians 2.13, God is at work within you, giving the will and the power to achieve that purpose. So we begin the road to recovery. It's always a reminder to us to first realize our need. Yes, for salvation, I'd love to pray with you about that. Please don't leave today if that needs to be your prayer without talking with me. But also to realize what what Paul's talking about, about children who can be led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, and have freedom in their life. They don't have to be mastered. Yes, we struggle. But if we allow and and realize our powerlessness, relying on the Lord and also relying on others to walk with us, oh, there can be freedom. It's for freedom that you have been saved. Why? Because God cares. God won't leave us as we are. And in Christ, things can be different. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you that even when we were ungodly, as your scripture says, you loved us enough to send Christ for us and for our salvation. And we just praise you for your faithfulness. You, you, you not only cover us and save us, but, but you send your spirit to do a work within us. And so, Father, I pray you just give us eyes to see that you would be our hope, that Jesus Christ would be our life, that we might know the freedom that he died and he was raised a new life. He died that we might have that freedom. I pray we'd know it and enjoy it and accept it. It's in you. It's not in ourselves, but it's in your power. It's in your word. It's in your spirit, and it's in our connection and and faith with others, not just our own will, but it's your will and your power. So bless us to be open to your healing, You're empowering, and it is in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.